All right, guys, and welcome back to Real Talk Sports with Rico. Today, I will be your host. Today's show, we are actually talking about the Elite Eight and the push to the Final Four with the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. It has been absolute March madness out here, guys. My bracket is broken. Before we actually jump into the content here, let me first and foremost thank Anchor for being our platform here, which is now Spotify Podcasts. Um, also want to go ahead and thank the sponsors out there who have been putting sponsorship on the show and just the fans out there who have actually listened to the show on a week-to-week basis here to help us drive content to the show. And make sure you check out our podcast, which is now on video form here on YouTube. You can check it out at Real Talk Sports with Rico and that is on YouTube that's how you can find us there so uh, without further ado let's go ahead and jump into it guys we are exclusively talking about the tournament here and uh, what a tournament it has been here you know we last left off here going um, from the round uh, the first two rounds going into the great eight here or the elite eight excuse me and I'm gonna tell you guys right now In my final four bracket here, I had Alabama, I had Texas, I had Duke, I had UCLA. And guess what? None of that is happening here. I think this is the first time in quite some time some number one seeds here have not actually advanced to the final four here. And uh, man, let let us kind of start off here with what we have seen here, uh, basically, uh, you know, that happened here starting with going up here to the southern region and uh, one of my top picks here which was Alabama Uh, Alabama I had them actually getting here to the final four I thought that they were going to figure it out here a young team that had been trying to really start to figure it out here I thought that they had some good momentum coming out of the SEC tournament even though it was a little scary there for the first uh, round or second round actually when they took on Maryland here Um, And I didn't really have, um, you know, San Diego State really being able to knock off Bama here, a fifth seed. You know, I thought that, you know, pretty much Bama's offense and length would really affect San Diego State. And that really was not the case here as Alabama was upset here, 71 to 64 here. Uh, The key thing I think to take away in this one is that Brandon Miller who I've taken a look at here in some of his games and things like that. I think he's a pretty good shooter here at 6'9". He handles the basketball well, rebounds at a high clip. And sometimes I think he plays a lot um, older than what he is, you know. And when I say that, I mean he more plays like a, a junior, a senior at times, things like that. But in this particular game, man, as you go further in the tournament, you need your star players to always play well. And he went three of 20. I mean, he really struggled out there. It was tough to get it going for him. He did have 11 rebounds. I loved his chase down block that he had late in the game. He had three assists. Uh, But San Diego State, man, they played such great defense. And it was not just defense that, you know, hey, you're just getting a hand here or there. But it was physical defense. I mean, the way that these guys were blocking shots here... I never will forget here where um, Cornerly um, was coming down the lane here for Alabama, and he got blocked three straight times here, and the interior of San Diego State was just 
it was tremendous, man. It was just absolutely tremendous the way that they locked things down here. Um, you know, when you look at the rebounding numbers here, uh, they actually got out-rebounded by Alabama here, but we're still able to kind of pull it off here. And the one thing that I will give it to here with San Diego State is just they happened to really pick it up in the second half. They did not get uh, out of whack really when Alabama had gone on the run and they were up kind of going into the second half. You know, they really just came back and answered the tone. Uh, they didn't get... Um, how can I say it? They didn't get mentally out of the game, which I think a lot of teams definitely do. The fact that they were able to kind of hang in there uh, and turn this thing into more like a rock fight, which is what you have to do to beat Alabama because Alabama wants to turn it into a track meet. They were able to take away the running game and take away easy baskets, man. And I think that that's kind of what hurt Brandon Miller and these guys. And you have to give really some credit here uh, for one of their star players here. Uh, De'Aaron Trammell here. I think he played exceptionally well here. Here's a young man that uh, was averaging nine for the regular season here. Came in here in the postseason here. He's been having a good postseason averaging 13, but he had 21 and five. The way he was able to get downhill, get into the paint, really uh, put a lot of pressure on Alabama. You know, they were in foul trouble throughout here. You look at Sears, uh, he had an abundance of fouls there and got into some foul trouble. Uh, Might have been one of their best players on the floor, and actually he was. He had 16, 10, and 2, but he had three personal fouls there. Um, you know, you had Clowney, who fouled out here at 3, 8, and uh, 5 personal fouls from him for Alabama. So, um, you know, I just think that San Diego did a great job, man, of just really getting to the paint here and using kind of dominant defense to really knock them out here and I, I mean I, I just I don't really know what else to say man I, I mean San Diego State they trailed 48 to 39 midway through the second half before going on that 12-0 run here and pretty much controlling the game even though Alabama would get back into it but you know the big run really came uh, on just the made three-pointers really getting into the lane drawing a lot of madness and fouls there and man, that is a tough season right there for uh, Alabama here. Again, they just really frustrated Mark Sears and Javon Cornerly. Uh, a tough one, man. A really tough one for Alabama here. I thought that they were going to advance a little bit further, but you know they lose, and uh, San Diego State advances here. This is why it is March Madness, guys. And uh, we'll see if they can actually take out Creighton. And as we move on here to the next game, that is uh, Creighton taking on Princeton. And they knocked off Princeton, 86-75. Uh, to 75. Princeton was the underdog here in this one. Uh, you know, they had already knocked off Missouri. They knocked off Arizona, surprisingly, in the first round here. And with this particular game, you knew it was a game where both Creighton and Princeton wanted to go out and they want to shoot a lot of three-pointers and essentially the theme of this game is just let it fly and that's exactly what both teams did however uh, you had Creighton that just did it a lot better and when I look at what they had here I'm really intrigued with what they had uh, with their 7-1 center here this guy and looking at his tape Ryan uh, Clockburner 
terrific guy. I was just talking about him today. 7-1-260, runs like a guard, a junior. Here's a guy that averaged 15.9 points and shot 70% from the field in the regular season. He is now up to 21 points here in this postseason run. Excuse me. And he's shooting 66% from the field, six rebounds, and an assist a game. He's up actually a rebound per game here off his season totals. But the way he was able to not only control the paint and also knock down jumpers as well, uh, you know, essentially Princeton had no answer for him. Um, And that's tough here, you know, because I think that Princeton's uh, forward slash center. He's definitely pro-ready. Uh, he actually had a pretty good game as well, 24-6-9. and nine. Just really couldn't stop him. Um, you look at uh, Shireman, he had 21-9-4. A lot of three-pointers knocked down for him. Um, you know, looking at Trey Alexander here for Creighton, he knocked down some shots here. The sophomore, 6-4, you know, coming into this thing, he was averaging 13 during the season. But uh, comes over here, and now he's averaging 15 points a game here. And I mean, just that's what you need. I talked about this earlier, where you need guys to step up in the postseason. And that's exactly what Creighton is getting. They are getting a a team effort across the board from multiple guys, man, that can shoot the three ball here. And it is a very, uh, how can I say it? It's one of the older teams that's still in this thing where they've actually stuck around. They do have a guy that has transferred over that was in the tournament here last year. But these guys can really shoot the ball. They play very well off the down screens and things like that. They pay just enough attention to detail on the defensive end here to really start to slow you down here. And I love the fact that they got uh, Nimhard here, who I just talked about him as well. His brother, I believe, plays for the Indiana Pacers here. And I believe his brother went to... um, went to Gonzaga here last year and this guy is terrific you know here's a guy that is a sophomore totally runs the show there he is the coach on the floor and you talk about a guy that has stepped it up in the postseason here he was averaging 12.3 during the regular season up to 16.3 but look at this here regular season he shot 43 percent postseason he's shooting 50 percent here and that's exactly what I'm talking about in the tournament here you either need your star players to play well or you need players to step up essentially here and again man I love that Creighton not only shot the ball well but they did a great job in getting into the paint and dominating that's one thing I did not think that Creighton would be able to do was kind of go into the paint and dominate it here but they were able to do so here a tough one here for Princeton Um, I think that they just kind of ran out of gas there Um, you know you did have Langberg had a pretty good game with the 26 points here. But aside from him um, and then their star forward here, they just really didn't have the shooting effort that they had had in the first two or three rounds here. And that's tough for Princeton here. But a great run for them. Didn't have them here making it to the Elite Eight. Um, Would have been a great story if they would have got to the Final Four. Certainly have nothing to be ashamed of here. Um, and a, a, really a thriller. You know, I think that that was probably one of the best games I think that was played there so far in the Elite Eight um, here on Thursday. Next up here, we move on to um, now the 
Midwest bracket here, and that would actually feature Houston and Miami here and Xavier and Texas here. So starting with Miami, uh, I was really shaky with Miami. I, I really was. I thought Miami would get here to the Houston game, but I thought Houston would essentially eliminate Miami. Uh, so I was right in those aspects, but Miami, another five seed, knocking off a one seed here. And I mean, they just jumped all over Houston, really. Uh, I mean, that was the biggest difference here. Uh, you know, Miami just, first of all, let's talk about, from Miami's standpoint, uh, Nigel Pack. Nigel Pack probably had one of his best games that I personally have saw. I mean, I did get a chance to see him in the regular season, and he was having a pretty good game out there that day. Uh, didn't really see too much of him, uh, you know, past that game or two there. But, you know, he averaged 13 points uh, a game here during the regular season. But how about this? In the postseason, he's averaging 19.7. He shot 44% in the regular season. He's shooting 51% here. And here's another kicker. 2.8 assists a game in the regular season up to 3.7 here in the postseason that is exactly what I'm talking about here where you need performances from guys and you need them to step up here we already knew what they were going to get from Isaiah Wong all right here's a guy that was player of the year there in their conference freshman of the year certainly I don't know if he's a one and done or not but you know he can play basketball here um, was a little worried about him. I mean, he, he came out a little uh, lethargic there in the first game, but Miami did as a whole. Uh, but they picked it up in the second half and were able to advance here. But between Nigel Pack and Isaiah Wong, they were spectacular. Wong had 20 points, six rebounds, three assists there. Um, you look at the contribution here that they got um, from Poplar. He had 11. Omir had 12. Miller, 13. And I love the rebound totals. Look at this. Pack four, Wong six, Miller six, Omir 13, Poplar four, right? The way they attacked the glass as a whole, that might have been the difference here as they actually out-rebounded Houston, taking away their possessions there. So they got extra possessions on the offensive end to already shooters and players that were hot. Then you look at the fact that because they were able to out-rebound Houston, they took away possessions from Houston, which they so badly needed. And really, they were able to cut down the size advantage that I think Houston had here. And they pretty much took away the high-octane offense that Houston has here. And when you look at that, man, it, it is just one of those things where, again, man, you need players to step out of their mind, which is what Miami got here. It's a tough one for Houston here. Um, they just could not stop Miami's offense, and that's the bottom line here. And the fact that the three-point shot was going down for Miami, it just spelled disaster here. They couldn't stop Isaiah Wong's mid-range game. Um, you know, that definitely hurt him there. Uh, you know, that essentially got... Miami out to a fast start here. 
Um, you know, his penetration put a lot of pressure on guys, got a lot of easy shots there. So, you know, much like what I saw with Houston in their tournament game where they had that breakdown against Memphis, this is exactly what I saw here. And it's tough, man, because Marcus Sizer, uh, he was starting to play well off the groin. He had 14 and 5. You had Sheed, who had 15, 3, and 5 there. Walker, 16, 11, and 5. And they just couldn't get it done. A tough one there for Houston. And it hurts because the Final Four would have been in Houston. So it's almost like a home game, a homecoming there. But Miami's moving on, man. And I got to give it to Coach Larinaga here. Taking care of business here. Um, you know, once saw him do it at George Mason. Now he's doing it here at Miami. And Miami's in the Final Four, guys. And so... Very interesting, man. Moving forward here, Xavier and Tennessee, um, or Xavier and Texas, sorry. Xavier and Texas, and I had Texas here in the Final Four, actually, and then I have them getting eliminated here. But Texas, man, let's talk about, first and foremost, their coach who has the interim tag here. I think it's time that we make him the head coach here. Uh, Texas, man, had some performers here. Starting here with uh, Hunter, Tyrese Hunter, the guard, played extremely well. Uh, I loved what he was able to do. Another guy that has averaged um, a, a point better here in the postseason, but more importantly, shot 39% in the season, but now shooting 50% from the field. It, I, I mean, that's, that's just that's astronomical, all right, when it comes down to it final four I mean you're making 50% of your shots that tells me that this man is shooting it with confidence he's getting to his spots he's getting to the places where he's comfortable and he's really starting to believe into himself and that's what you need to advance in this tournament for sure so Hunter did well I love what Carr was able to do too he had 18 as well the way Marcus Carr was able to establish a good rhythm here able to, to knock down some shots as well and kind of step it up here um, I mean just loving everything really that Texas was able to do here and you know when we look at this situation Xavier had already to me been on the, the, the brink here you know I'm not sure how Xavier was able to get past Ken Shaw uh, they beat a feisty Pittsburgh team here but you know they just they reached a point here when it came down to it with with Texas and the bottom line is Texas is clicking on all cylinders you could not make any mistakes here you couldn't afford to get behind here and essentially that's what Xavier um, you know did you know they were not able to really establish themselves really get ahead of this thing and you know it just one of the better defensive games here for, for Texas, the way that they were able to kind of dominate in there. Um, you know, it is a bit more of a physical team here. Um, you know, you're looking at the pretty much, you know, the Longhorns. They, you know, had the Big 12 tournament title here. And they just showed up, man. They showed up. They made it happen here. Um, you know, you look at... Uh, Allen had a pretty good one, 11-6-2 there, and it, it's, it's tough, man. It's really tough at this point of the year to just, when you get to this, this stage, you have to be able to, 
you have to be able to 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 execute just that much more uh, in these games. You can't afford to get off to slow starts. You can't afford to have bad habits really come out in these games as you move forward to the Elite Eight Final Four in the championship game. And I think that that's much of kind of what Xavier really had here. You look at the fact that they had slow starts. I think that that came back to bite them here. Um, they got out-rebounded. That's tough alone. Um, so you look at the personal foul situation. That was about the same here. But, you know, just kudos really, I think, to, to Texas here. That program really pushing forward and getting it done now into the Final Four here. As we move down here, the shocker of today's uh, situation here is FAU beating Kansas State here. And I, I thought that this was going to be it for FAU. I, I thought that, you know, Kansas State was ultimately going to take care of business here, especially the way uh, Noel was playing here. You know, Marquise Noel, the, the guard here for Kansas State, the way he's been able to get to the paint. Here's a guy that's from Harlem, New York, senior, 5'8", 160, does a lot of great things for Kansas State, uh, stepped it up to 21 points a game here in the postseason, really been able to get it to his athletic bigs on lobs and things like that. These guys have been knocking down shots, and they did everything that they needed to to get back into the game, but... Just due to the hot shooting here um, of Elijah Martin, who was the big hero today. Um, you know, he had 13 for the regular season here, but he had 17 big ones here for the Owls today. Um, they got 16 from Greenlee. They got 14 from Gold. Um, they got 13 from Davis. So just, again, disparsing the scoring, guys stepping up here in the postseason, which is what you need. Um, and just great team basketball, man. They're now 35-3 and three here, uh, making their second appearance here in the tournament. And the one thing that I will love about this team here is they're very well coached. Their coach here was actually uh, part of the Bobby Knight coaching staff there. You know, Bobby Knight, a legendary uh, Indiana University coach. Coach, I think, the only undefeated team in NCAA basketball that actually ran the show in 76 winning not only the regular season undefeated award, but going through the tournament and being undefeated there. So, um, no, very good coaching tree here. The way that the Owls were able to pretty much play pesky defense at the end, I love the fact that they were able to close down Kansas State at the end and they were not even able to get a shot up. And that really has been the story of the tournament here for FAU. They just find ways, man, to go on these runs. They find ways to get baskets and really stick in there, man. And that's the one thing that I can absolutely say about them. They continue to stick in there. Um, you know, they were on the ropes, uh, especially when Noel had the 30 points and 12 assists and five steals. I mean, it's like, what a stat line. Here's a guy that set an NCAA record for assists, but they withstood that. And they withstood that. They made their free throws here at the end. Um, you know, their seven footer had 14 and 13 as well. And when you look at the totals and the box score here, they out rebounded K State by a lot there. It actually came down to 41 to 
16. And the fact that Kansas State was actually able to stick in that despite the rebounding disparity lets you know how good Kansas State is. But it just lets you know, man, that's what you have to do at the end of the day. Defense rebounding that always is going to give you a chance to win games. And obviously, if you become clutch like the Owls have been, you're always going to have that chance. And so kudos to the Owls taking care of business. Didn't have them actually make it to the Final Four, but you know they were able to just hang in there, man. Uh, next up here, Gonzaga and UConn. So going back around here, the way Gonzaga was able to get there, I had UCLA in the Final Four. UCLA was winning this thing. They actually came back. They were up with about 12.6 seconds to go on Gonzaga. But they pretty much run the Villanova Frank Wright play there. And it's a game winner from Julian uh, Strouser there. 16 points and 10 rebounds in that one. A young man that's actually from Vegas. And that actually got them to the Elite Eight against UConn. And I knew that with UConn and I think this or not UConn but with Gonzaga and this much happens every year for them we know what Drew Timmy can do but it's the guard play that I think is going to be the difference for Gonzaga moving forward here and UConn did a terrific job in taking away the guard play for Gonzaga and not only did they take away the guard play but they got Drew Timmy in trouble He finished with four personal fouls, had to sit out a good chunk of the game here, 12 rebounds and 10 assists. And during that uh, chunk of the game there, um, they uh, essentially, UConn went on the the run. I, I mean, they were just hitting shots left and right. And let's be honest, man, their backcourt was just much better than Gonzaga. And not only that, man, uh, Sinogo had a very good game again for UConn. If you have not got a chance to see this young man play, great hands, uh, you know, the ability to make difficult catches here. I saw one play where he had ran down on a fast break. Uh, A guard throws it over. And for a big to actually make that catch with a contest because the defender is on his back and he's swiping at it. Sometimes you fumble that, sometimes it gets lost in the light. It landed in his hands and he went up and got fouled here. But just to let you know how good he is, man, with catching the ball around the basket and very strong. He was moving people out the way all night, had 10 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, and only two personal fouls here. Really set the table for UConn to eat Gonzaga up inside. And then how about how about Hawkins here? This guy, Jordan Hawkins, spectacular. You know, this guy is NBA ready, uh, Jordan Hawkins. He's a sophomore. If he comes out at 6'5", 195, I'm saying this right now, this is a guy you need to get, okay? I, I don't, he can be effective on any team the way he shoots the basketball. He's terrific off coming off curls and down screens. I love the fact that he's able to relocate himself off taking dribbles. He's terrific at transition three-pointers, and he's terrific at getting you off the bounce. He makes terrific decisions at 
passing the ball off the bounce. There's a lot of things to love about uh, Jordan Hawkins. And this guy is smooth, believes in himself, uh, a quiet leader here for this unit. He averaged 16 in the regular season. He's averaging 16 now. He's shooting 43% versus 40 um, in the regular season here. But he's hitting big shots, and they're shots that really lead to a lot of runs for UConn. And I honestly didn't have UConn here because UConn had been eliminated the last two years in the first round. So for Coach Hurley to get this team to the Final Four, uh, that's terrific. I mean, for them to get over this mental hurdle and get there, I mean, that's just terrific for them. I'm really happy for them, and I hope that they're able to move forward. And that leads me now to the Final Four and who is left, man. Um, Wow. You know, at this point in time, you got FAU, you got UConn, um, you have San Diego State and Creighton here left to play. You have Miami and Texas left to play. I still like Texas in the Final Four, okay? So I, I like them to go against UConn here. Um, man, it, that's going to be a tough one with Creighton and San Diego State. Creighton doesn't necessarily like to go in the paint as much as Alabama. I, I mean, they do like to run a lot like Alabama, but they shoot the ball. Uh, it, it's a different monster with Creighton. I mean, they are fundamentally sound with shooting the basketball. They hit you with curls. Uh, I mean, they hit you with the staggers. They're terrific at relocations off dribbles. A lot with what you see with what Klay Thompson and Steph Curry does. Uh, terrific with the excellent pocket pass. And I like the fact that they have a big that actually might be the difference here. It is tough to go against the defensive-minded San Diego State here in this one. I think San Diego State's physicality might take them to the Final Four. I mean, it's it's tough to pick against Coach McDermott. I have a lot of love for him. Being a Chicago Bulls fan, Doug McDermott was drafted there. Didn't necessarily work out. He's playing for the, the, uh, the Spurs now. Great shooter. But I, I just think that, that San Diego State has enough here, man, to get a stop. And, you know, they stopped the 7-1 center there that's been a terror here in this tournament. And I think San Diego State advances, man. Uh, on the other side here, Miami and Texas. It's, it's hard not to pick against Texas at this point in time. You know, I, I had Texas uh, again here. I thought they were going to get eliminated by UCLA. But... I, I, I like Texas for the reason that they're much bigger than Miami. They're playing elite basketball right now. I think that their guard plays are a little bit more experienced than Pack and Wong. And I think it's a possibility that Miami plays a little lackluster or if they get behind I'm not sure if their experience is going to be able to overcome Texas and this ride. Texas has a lot, and I mean a lot, a lot, a momentum here, okay? Texas at this point in time, I think a lot of people are picking this one. Um, you know, they're 10-6 they're and six against the top 25. However, Miami is 5-1, and one, so they get the nod there. 
the strength of schedule obviously was with Texas. Miami, surprisingly, they do score more than uh, Texas by a couple points here, but Texas defense is so ridiculous here. They're only giving up 67 points a game. Miami, they give up a lot of baskets, man, and I don't like that. Obviously, both teams have been 8-2 here as of late here, so both are kind of coming in equally as hot here. The field goal percentage slightly to Miami here um, in this one. The three-point percentage is going to be slightly to Miami as well. The scoring percentage, we just talked about that from a free throw standpoint here. Uh, But look, man, the unexpected change with Texas here, eight games into the season here, they've been on a serious tear, a serious run. These guys, one of the toughest defenses out there. You have the veteran scorer here, Marcus Carr, against the ACC Player of the Year with Isaiah Wong and Pack here. They do put up points, but I think the defense wins here. I like Texas to advance, man. I really do. So with that being said, that is the show. And if you are listening to this, don't be surprised if the bracket gets destroyed some more and the teams that I picked actually lose. I mean, that's just what it is. But it has been an exciting Final Four, guys. If you have not watched this, make sure you do. One of the best tournaments in all of sports here is the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. So curious to see what the Final Four looks like here as we push on to the next weekend and then into the championship. So with that being said, that is today's show. I want to go ahead and thank Anchor, which is now Spotify Podcasts here. I want to thank the fans out there who have listened to us on a week-to-week basis to help us drive content to the show here. And I, I just want to thank, uh, you know, again, our listeners out there, the sponsors who have put sponsorship on the show. This is Rico with Real Talk Sports. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel. We will be throwing up a video here on YouTube where we'll be doing a podcast there. It is slightly different. Um, you know, we do have some visuals there that go along with some concepts that we'll be talking about here. Definitely be talking about the NCAA tournament there. We'll be talking a little bit more here about the NBA season here. Some of the hot topics here as we push into the last couple games here. And, you know, as usual, man, we got that NFL um, coming up here. Obviously, the NFL draft. So definitely want to talk a little bit about the QB Pro Days that we saw uh, with Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. Um, so all those guys like that, we definitely want to talk about that. So and Levis there from Kentucky. So make sure you tune in to our YouTube channel to check out that pie. So for myself, this is Rico Real Talk Sports. We'll see you on the next show.